Amen. Maybe we can do a little better than that. Can we clap our hands? If you came to lift him up, we can give him praise tonight and honor and glory for his presence. I had a thought that come over me just now as I walked in this sanctuary, and it overwhelmed me a little bit, and it was this. Jesus is here. <laughs> Jesus is here. Our King, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer the one that set us free is here tonight. He's not somewhere unable to be accessed. He hasn't checked out. He's not on vacation. He is in our midst tonight. And I came and you came to lift up his name, to give him praise, to give him honor, to give him praise and to give him honor tonight. Amen. Amen. Thankful for that. Thankful for your presence tonight. And we want you in Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, to get out of your seats over the next few moments and welcome one another into God's house tonight.
You can be seated. A couple of things real quick before we take up our offering. First is that next Sunday night, one week from today, this uh, next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we'll be having our annual church-wide Thanksgiving service. This year we're doing something a little different. We wanted to enhance it and make it grow and make it something, uh, you know, something we could enjoy, enjoy a little bit more, make it bigger. That night, we are going to be coming together. We're going to have our praise and worship. We're going to have special video testimonies that will be up on the screen, a few of those. And uh, Pastor Lane Sargent, our, our former Pastor Lane Sargent, will be here. He will be speaking that night. And as soon as we get done with the service, we're going to go back into the gym, and we're having our donuts and cider that everybody loves so much. We're going to have a time of fellowship. And also back there, we're bringing in some blow-up games for your kids. And we're just going to have a wonderful night of thanksgiving and fellowship. We're going to honor the Lord, and uh, we're going to connect one another. It's going to be a good time. And that's next Sunday night. And also, tonight here, because I don't want to break up what's going to happen the rest of the service, 
our discipleship pastor, Melissa Graw, is going to be speaking. And uh, she is a wonderful lady that God's touched and raising up in ministry. She has done so many wonderful different things. Uh, she's just incredible to work with. She's an incredible thinker. She thinks through processes and figures stuff out. And uh, she's done wonders here with our discipleship program in our church. And there's more to come. And uh, it's an honor for us to hear her this evening. Let's give it up for her. She'll be coming in just a minute. She'll be coming to take the mic as soon as we get done with our praise and worship. But now we're going to take up the offering. We just want to give as, as unto the Lord. You know, that sounds like a really churchy statement to make. But we're giving with an honor to God in mind. We're not just doing something to do it, just throw something in the offering plate. But we've come to give our tithes, our, our offerings out of worship and obedience. Let's pray over it tonight. Lord, we praise you and thank you and we honor you. God, we appreciate so much the work that you do inside of us. Lord, we're, we're here, we're breathing, we're alive. God, we've got clothes on our backs. Lord, you've just blessed us so much. Lord, you're so big and so great, and you take care of every one of our needs. Lord, you are incredible. Lord, tonight we just give in the offering, and we give and our tithes, Lord, out of obedience and honor to you. Lord, we don't want our worship to just be with our hands and with our mouths when we come into the church. But God, we want it to be every day and everything that we do, and we want it to be in our finances, Lord, so we honor you with that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, it's good to have the choir up here with us tonight. They've been in here since quarter till five, singing their little hearts out, learning Christmas. I've just been a slave driver all day. <laughs> about wore me out, and I'm thinking about wore them out. We're ready to praise him tonight, aren't we? Let's do it. Lord, Lord, we've come to worship. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, yeah, we've come to worship, to give you glory, to give you all Oh, the 
Consuming fire upon 
Let your glory fill this Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Mighty God. Come and fill <laughs> your holy temple. Consuming fire. Let your glory fill this place. Oh, we're open to Mighty God.
been praised. Good evening. If you would all stand with me for a moment. I got really nervous before service. I came up here to put my iPad with my message. And as we were doing praise and worship before, before the welcome, I looked and I was like, my iPad isn't up there. <laughs> and don't panic a preacher and take their notes away. <laughs> but praise the Lord, I found it. Thank you, Janelle. <laughs> um, tonight, well, for a couple weeks now, I've been really stirred in my spirit about what I'm about to speak about. And um, I know it's Sunday night. And we have a really good crowd here tonight. And sometimes we come in and, you know, and especially when pastor's not here, we go through the routine. I want to be here, you know, and, and whatever. And then we go on about our way. But I believe because the Lord has stirred me and in my prayer time, the Lord has really been dealing with me for this church and for the people of this church about this message I'm getting ready to preach. So everybody who's here is here on purpose. You didn't just wander in and say, well, I'm going to do my duty and come on a Sunday night. God has something for you. God has something for you tonight. And, and I want you to open your ears and your heart to receive what the Lord wants to say. Because if you get a hold of, of what I'm about to share with you, your life will be transformed. Your prayer life will be transformed. And you will see God do supernatural things in your life and in this church. And I believe that with all my heart. So I want to read the scripture in Matthew 17 and 20. And this is from the Amplified Version. And it says, For truly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, if you have faith that is living like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to yonder place, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Let's pray. Lord, I come before you as just a clay vessel, Lord, with your treasure inside like the rest of us, Lord. And I am just here to deliver your word and your message to our congregation tonight, Lord. Because I know if we grab hold of this, Lord, it will transform our church. It will transform us personally and corporately, Lord. That faith is going to precede the power of God. And that a faith would rise up inside of us that we do not take what the enemy throws at us, but we push back in offense. We push back in offense against the enemy and what he's trying to do in our lives because we have to remember Lord that you are greater you are our God and there is nothing impossible with you Lord and I just thank you I pray for this congregation tonight I pray that they would receive the word that you have given me Lord I pray that I get out of the way and Holy Spirit you give me every word Lord I give you the praise and honor for what is going to be done because I believe that the enemies bonds is going to be shaken loose tonight in your people and we will be empowered to take back the kingdom of god for you lord and i give you all praise and honor in jesus name amen you may be seated hallelujah i'm, I'm kind of fired up because like i said god has been dealing with me about this personally first and uh, what's funny 
is that I was talking with someone last week, and they were sharing with me about all the things that they've been dealing with, and I was praying with them. And I got this sense that they were very discouraged because it was one thing after another, after another, after another. And sometimes you just feel like, Lord, where are you at in all of this? And I kept talking to them and praying with them about having faith. And it's something that the Lord has been challenging me with in my own life is to have faith. And not just, okay, we all know we have to have faith, right? Well, I've never been a person who had a lot of great faith because I've been one of those people that things just keep happening to and you start to get really discouraged and you're like, okay, where are you at in all of this? But I was really seeking the Lord and I have some big things going on in my life and the Lord has put in my spirit about what my future is going to be. And I look at that future and I'm going, that can't happen because it's too big. It's too impossible. And the Lord one day said, ask me for it. And I really started thinking about what that meant. Well, after talking with this person, later on in that week, uh, a friend called me and she was dealing with the same kind of issue. Like, where's God in all this? And why does this keep happening? And I keep feeling like I'm battling the same things over and over again. And I kept thinking, why do we do that? Because sometimes I think what happens to us is that we take it and we just think, this is what, this is what it's supposed to be. This is my life. And we take it and, and we get a bad report from the doctor and we think, well, I'm just going to have to you know, just take it, and this is what it is, and, you know, I'm, my husband and, and I aren't getting along, and it's just the way it's been, and I have financial situations, I can't seem to get victory over it, and this is just what my life is, and this is just the way it is. There's depression and sickness, and, and I was thinking about lost loved ones, and, and when I was really praying about this, that kept coming to my mind, and I think sometimes when we don't see the victories, when we think they should happen, we, we get discouraged and we just kind of think, well, God, you know. I believe that God wants us to have a bold faith that speaks into situations and says, no, I believe God can move and I'm going to believe him for it and I'm going to proclaim that he's going to do it and I'm going to wait and see what God does. Because what I was telling my friend is she was saying, well, I need God to help me. Or I've heard that before. I've prayed that in my own life. And I think, okay, God, I need you to help me with my financial situation. Okay. I have given God nothing to work with there other than help me. And if he does help me, how do I know he really helped me? Because I didn't pray specific enough to actually see and know that he moved in a specific way. There is nothing wrong with being specific with the Lord. We have to get strategic in our prayers in order to see what God wants to do. You know, when we're generic and we're just like, well, help me, Lord, or I need you to, you know, provide for my family, or I need this, and, and it's just this very generic prayer, we give ourselves an escape clause because then we, we guard ourselves from being disappointed. Do you know what I mean like, by that? We think, oh, okay, 
if I'm not specific, then if God doesn't do it that way, then it's okay and I don't get disappointed. And I have prayed that many times. We leave God to fill in the gaps. And sometimes we hide because we're like, well, maybe this is the will of God. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the will of God in, in, in the process of this. But sometimes I think we hide behind that, and we don't, we don't actually ask God what we want. And he says to ask me. And we just kind of just do these generic prayers, and we never move forward, and we keep fighting the same battles over and over again. You know, I believe we have a natural response, and sometimes God wants us to have a supernatural response. What I mean by that is if someone comes and tells you, Richard, that you got a bad report from the doctor, immediately we go down a path of the natural and go, all right, well, I'm going to have to do this, and I'll have to fix this. And, you know, we don't go, wait a minute. I'm going to pray and seek the face of God. I don't have to accept everything that comes at me. I can pray, and I can believe that God can turn the situation around. We have a testimony right here of Elaine who did not take just what was handed to her, but she pushed back and she says, no, I'm going to believe God is going to heal me in this. And guess what? God has healed her. We are not seeing. Amen. I want you to get your mind around this just a little bit. We are not seeing the miracles. We're seeing a few. But I believe God wants us to see miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Because when miracles happen, how many times when Jesus healed somebody, the whole crowds came? Miracles draw people. The power of God draws people. And we can't go to a city in Middletown and not believe him for ourselves and then go and tell them that there's hope to deliver them out of what they have. If we're not standing on it, we can't expect them to it. We can meet their needs, we can pray with them, we can show them the love, but they need the power of God. Because let me tell you something, there's a church on every corner. Every corner there's a church, but not every corner has the power of God in their church. And if we're going to be set apart and do what God wants us to do, then we have to have the power of God. And if we have the power of God, we have to put ourselves in position to receive what the power of God and the miracles and the things God wants to do. It's like when we get a miracle, it's like, wow, that's awesome. We're surprised by it. We're surprised by it. That should not be our first response. We should be in expectation of it. When we pray, we should be in expectation that God is a God who performs miracles. But I think sometimes what we do is we forget who God really is. Indulge me a moment as I drink some water. We need to have a kind of faith that doesn't make sense. <laughs> we need to have a kind of faith when the world goes, that's ridiculous. We still have the faith. We need to have the kind of faith that doesn't accept the status quo. When others doubt what, what we're standing for, we still believe. When our family or our friends look at us and go, you're crazy for thinking that, we still believe, we still have faith. That faith and that belief becomes the reality. We have to pray for the impossible things. If we're not praying for them, we can't expect them. And I want to take us to a story, and I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible. It's in 1 Samuel 17, and it's a very familiar story, and we're going to kind of walk through this because 
There are some things here in this story about David and Goliath that we can walk away with that will give us that faith that says we don't have to believe the report that is given to us and that we can push back and that we don't have to keep fighting the same battles, but we can have victory through Christ. It says in 1 Samuel 17, and we're just going to kind of go through this a little bit, so you might just want to bookmark your Bible or your iPad. So let's look at the climate of the situation as we set up the story. It says, The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and encamped between Sokol and Judah and Ezekiah and Ephraim and Daman. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley in between. What is so interesting about that, so you have a valley and then you have two opposing armies on either side. And what happened is, is the Philistines and Israel kept fighting a lot because the Philistines were promised, or Israel was promised the Philistines' land. And so they've been fighting, and the Philistines enslaved Israel. But what happened is there's a pattern that kept repeating. They kept fighting the same battle. And they're looking, and they're staring at the other opposing. And in this situation, they're scared. They're tired. They've been facing the same battle forever. And they have forgotten who they served. They have forgotten that the Lord had all power. And I look at that in our situation, and we have these battles that we face. And we keep staring at those situations in our life. We keep staring at them. We're facing them every single day. And sometimes it's just easier to manage the battle. It's just easier to just do it. Just, okay, they're attacking, we go attack. Okay, then it stops for a while, and then a little while later it starts again. And we just, we started managing these situations in our life. And we become used to it. It becomes what we do. And we become numb. So it's like, if you've been sick for a while, you just kind of become accustomed to it. You have financial issues, you just become accustomed to it and you just learn to deal. But I believe that the Lord wants us to be raised up in faith, to believe God, to do the supernatural, and to break those things, and to finish that battle in that army once and for all. But we don't believe it, or we've forgotten. And I believe they've forgotten. So what happens here? So they're facing off, and they're staring at each other. And then we get to verses 4 through 11. And I'm not going to read all this for the sake of time, but I am going to take you through some of this. And it says Goliath steps out from the Philistine army. He was nine feet tall, and he had all this armor that weighed 125 pounds. Um, he had a bronze leg armor. He carried a javelin. He had a bronze helmet. I mean, this man was very intimidating. And what's interesting is that Israel could have won. He was just a man, and he couldn't stand up against an entire army, right? I mean, that's not even logical. One man, even though he's nine feet tall, against an entire army is not logical. The army could take him. But what happened is, is that Goliath steps out, and it changes things. And so sometimes what happens is, is that we go through these battles, we go through these situations, and all of a sudden something happens. Something big happens, and it shakes us. 
and the situation, let's say you're having a financial situation and all of a sudden you lose your job. Well, now you've got to deal with it because now it's kicked up a level. And this is exactly what's happened here is that this Goliath has stepped out and it has scared them and they're terrified. But what the Goliath is doing to them is he's intimidating them. He's an intimidator. He could have went out and started attacking people. He didn't. He taunted, he challenged, and he controlled. That was what he did. The truth, Israel could have taken him. So what happens in our life with our Goliath that comes out from the midst of our situation? Something big comes out, and we have to deal with it, and it shakes us into action. But we get weary in the battle, we forget who we are, whose we are, and that Goliath seems bigger than what we can handle. And he's taunting. The enemy is taunting. And he tries to control and intimidate us. He intimidates us by trying to get us to doubt God. He makes us feel helpless and hopeless. And he controls us to rely on our own strength because here Goliath is calling, saying, what man, one man can come after me, one man. And if he takes me down, then we're enslaved. But if the opposite happens, we enslave you. And when we're going through these times where we're facing these obstacles in our life, isolation can happen by the enemy. Because right now Goliath is trying to get one man to come out there and take him down. So isolation can happen in times of, of, of intimidation by the enemy. That's what the enemy does. He takes the problem and it's, it's him telling us that we can't win because we have something that's bigger than what we are. And when you're tired and when you're, you're weary and you face the battle for so long, you fall into that trap. You know, I know that when I'm tired, I can get really grumpy. And when I haven't prayed like I should, I can get really grumpy. <laughs> it happens. We get weak and we get, we get stressed out and we have those problems and we're facing this and it's in our face day in and day out. And it's like we have to deal with this, but we don't know how to deal with it. And the enemy is telling us we're going to lose. So here comes David on the scene. Um, this is from verses 11 through 23. And David was the youngest of eight sons that he belonged to Jesse, and his three elder sons were fighting in Saul's army. And David had been going back and forth to the front lines and then taking care of the sheep. So he had been going back and forth, and I'm sure he heard and he knew what was going on. You know, he heard through the grapevine. He heard what was happening. You know, he knew what was going on. And it's interesting to note that David was anointed king before this, but he wasn't treated like a king. He was still a shepherd. And I think sometimes we forget that we are sons and daughters of the king, and that with that, we have the power through him to conquer anything that comes our way. But we feel like shepherds. And we feel unworthy, and we feel like we don't have the power, but we do. He was a shepherd. He wasn't a warrior. And 40 days and nights, Goliath taunted. 
So he would come out, the battles would face each other, and Goliath would come out, and he would challenge someone to come and fight him. And this went on and went on and went on. And it says in verse 23, it says, Then David heard Goliath shout his usual taunt. And what is, was so profound for me listening to that was, it says, Then David heard. It didn't become reality to him what was really going on until he heard it for himself. And I think sometimes we forget that we're fighting an enemy. We forget that there's unseen forces. And sometimes God has to shake us loose to look at what's really happening. It's not like you're having situations with a spouse or a friend or, or whatever, and we want to, what's wrong with that friend or what's wrong with my spouse? And what's wrong? We are fighting an enemy that's not people, but there are unseen forces going on. And David had to see for himself because what happened there? There was a shift. There was a shift in David, and David was like, no. I heard what's happening, and I'm not going to take what's happening because God is greater than this. We have to get an offensive behavior instead of a defensive behavior. <laughs> it's so easy to just go, okay, here it is. We're taking it, and this is what the army has been doing for so long. But David is going, no, we have to be on the offense because God is greater than this enemy that is fighting us. It says in Ephesians 6 and 10, and this is a familiar scripture, it says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that, that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let me tell you, if it's never any truer, it's true right now in this day and time that this is what we are fighting. If we hadn't seen anything from what's happened over the weekend with Paris, we're seeing it. I was taking a drive down um, Middletown the other day, and... I, I, it's just sometimes it's devastating to me to see what used to be such a great city and it's so it's so poverty stricken in some places and it's just it, it just made me really sad and I was praying and okay I'm gonna be real honest for a minute my special pray, place to pray is a graveyard yes I know <laughs> very weird but it has sentimental meaning <laughs> When I got saved, um, I'm going to tell my July 2nd, 1981 story. If you will, indulge me. <laughs> I hope Pastor is not watching this. <laughs> but I was not raised, I was not really raised, I was not raised in, I'm a first generation Church of God. And um, I was, I was, my friend invited me uh, to church, and that's how I started to come to Harlem Park when I was 18. And one day, this is before I actually started coming to the church, we were going to a basketball game, and we were driving to Oxford, and we were coming through Trenton. And there's the Butler County Memorial Cemetery there, if you all are familiar with that, outside of Trenton. And she told me that it was called the Highway to Heaven because there's so many fatalities on that road. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I believed it. And, and uh, she says, is everybody right with the Lord? And I didn't really understand what that meant at the time, but I was like, I don't think so. And I prayed. I prayed the sinner's prayer with her in the car. 
And I had my eyes closed, and as soon as I opened my eyes, the first thing I saw was the cross that sits up on the hill, and it was lighted. First thing, I promise. And it has always been special to me, so sometimes when I am needing to go back to a memorial in my life and pray, I go back to that place and go, this is where it all started. And as I was there, the scripture that God has for me as a mission is in Ezekiel 37 with the Valley of Dry Bones. And I was up on the hill, and I was praying, and I was looking out down into the hill where all the the, uh, graves were, and the Lord asked me, can these bones live? And it reminded me of my mission. And then I remembered that I had drove around the city of Middletown, and earlier that day, and I had, was praying, and I was looking at everything, and the Lord took me to the top of this hill, and I was looking down into what I saw in Middletown, and the Lord asked me again, can these bones live? Can this city of Middletown live? And let me just tell you, it has stirred a passion inside of me that this city is not lost, and we are the light on the hill, and we have to reach out. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. These aren't flesh and blood people, but these people have been ravaged by the enemy. They've been ravaged. They have been told they have no hope. They have nothing. But we have the light inside of us. And if we don't get this, if we don't get this, this ferocious kind of faith inside of us, we can't help them because we can't help ourselves. So we're not fighting against just human beings or and situations, but we're fighting in the very enemy of this world. Life happens and we will face issues and struggles, bad reports. What happens is in the midst of that, the Goliath raises up and makes it worse. We're not warriors by nature. I'm not a warrior by nature. Um, I'm I'm just me. But I have been anointed by the the Lord most high to be a warrior for him and so have you don't forget who you belong to so in verses 24 through 31 as soon as the Israelite army saw Goliath come back out again they all ran they ran in fright and David started asking the soldiers what will a man get for killing this man what is the reward Of course, his brothers come on the scene, and they're embarrassed by it. They put him down. They must have picked on him a whole lot because he says, what have I done this time? And I find that line really funny because I can just see David going, what have I done this time? Because it seems like he does nothing right because he has people in his life that put him down. So I want to ask you a question. When you are facing obstacles and things in your life that are big, that are bigger than you, that you don't know how you're, who are your influencers? Who are those people? Because let me tell you, sometimes it's not always your family. Sometimes they are not on the same place that you are. Sometimes there's friends in your life. And let me just share something with you. Not everybody's on your side. Well, I've learned this powerful truth in ministry that not everybody's on your side. 
And you have to be wise to that. And you have to know who God has put in your life that's going to speak life to you and faith to you and not bring you down. Don't listen to what people have told you in the past, has surrounded you in the past, whether they're family or whoever that says that you're not going to win because God says you are going to win. If David had listened, he wouldn't have went out and fought Goliath. If he had listened to his brothers and believed what they said about him, he would never have done it. But let me just tell you, I absolutely love the tenacity of David. I love it. I love the fact that he shakes off what other people say because he's going forward because he knows who the Lord is. I love that. We need to get some tenacity about us. And what I also love here is God gave David favor because he started asking these questions and the tenacity came in is when his brothers were sitting here and they were going, okay, you need to be quiet. You need to, what are you doing? He shook it off and went and talked to other soldiers because he wanted to know. But his questions got to the ear of the king. When you're in the right position and when God is leading you in direct, you're going to have favor from people in authority, and the people in authority may have the power to do something in your situation. He gave him the authority. He gave him the permission to go and do something. But if David hadn't stepped out and asked the right questions and put himself out there, then he wouldn't have been able to fight the battle. You are giving, God is giving you favor with people. You don't know. Don't sit back and go, there's no hope. Because if you keep pushing forward and you keep going on the offense, then the very people that you need may help you get to what you need out of life. Um, okay, so we're going to skip down to 32 through 37. And so David, and again, I love David. David goes and stands before the king. And he says, don't worry about this Philistine. Philistine, David told Saul, I'll go, fight for, I'll go fight him. And then Saul replied, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and, probably win, and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. I love that. David knew who he was. David convinced the king that his prior experience with the bear and the lion made him suited to go out there. Now, really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's not a warrior, he's a shepherd. But what happens is, is that those, those little victories, those little things that we had faith in, that God moved in, is the very thing that is going to be built upon for the bigger things that come along. You know, you can't have a public... You can't have a public victory without a personal relationship and a personal victory in your life. You know, people, people want the, the big names and they want to be known and they want position and they want all that stuff. But let me just tell you something. The victories are fought privately and God is the one that shows and gives glory out of it publicly from what we do in private. You know, David loved the Lord. 
psalm is filled with his songs to the Lord. He loved the Lord, and he was not afraid to show that he loved the Lord because he's talking to the king. He's talking to the king, and he is being, I mean, quite frankly, ridiculous. Like, I'm a shepherd, and I killed a lion and a bear, which is pretty awesome, by the way. But I can go out there and fight a mighty warrior. Really? But Saul was so desperate, he was willing to take anything. And so he let him go out there. Our past prepares us for our future. Personal victories lead to public ones. We don't live in our past, but our past, past propels us to our future. We want God to promote us. We have to win in private time. Faith sees the obstacle, recalls past experiences, and moves forward into action. And David respected Saul. You know, David could have been really crazy, and he could have just went out there and says, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm not even going to talk to the king. I'm just going to go do my thing, because I'm just that passionate. But I love it that David respected the authority of the king, and he got permission before he went out there and did it. Let me just tell you something. You're not going to go around the earthly authority that's been placed over you. It doesn't matter what passion that you have to go out and do something. It doesn't matter. You have authority that God has placed in your life, and you need to align yourself with that authority. And David did that, and because of that, that was blessed. We have to understand that. In verses 38 and 39, it says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. So David once had confidence to speak up to the king and say, I can't, I can't put this on. This isn't me. I'm not a king. The armor didn't fit. You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to be strong and confident in your own identity. You can't put someone else's identity on. What God has called you to do, what God, what obstacles that are in your path, God, you're uniquely qualified to pray and see God move. It doesn't have to be somebody else. It doesn't, you know, sometimes we think, well, if I don't pray like such and such, then it's not going to work. I've had people tell me that. You know, if I don't pray this way, or I don't call the fire down like this person, or whatever, then it's not going to work for me. No. That's not how it works. God has called you. God has put it before you, and he has given you everything you need to win the battle. Know who you are. Know your identity in Christ. Don't use weapons you've never used before. You know, sometimes we just want to, we, we think if we do it this way, or we do it this way, or, or we read this book, or we do, you know, this doctrine, or we believe this way, that it somehow is going to shake loose. No. You have to be confident and familiar with what you have experienced from the Lord in order to win the battle. You draw from your own experiences. Don't be a people pleaser. Hello, I'm the biggest people pleaser in the world. <laughs> right here because <laughs> um, I want everyone to like me and that's not always a good thing well it's not a good thing 
Because sometimes you compromise yourself and what God has called you to do because someone else tells you what they think you should do. And that's not how it works. You're not going to see victories that way. You're not going to see God move in your life in that way. You have to stand strong and know who you are in him. In verse 40 through 44, it says that David picked up five smooth stones his staff and bag, and walked out to meet Goliath, walking across the valley. And in scripture, five represents the number, the number represents grace. Now think about that for a minute. He takes what he's used to, the weapons he's familiar with. It's ridiculous to think that he's really going to take down Goliath with, with a sling and stones. I mean, come on. That's like going out and fighting someone with a water gun. I mean, if you really think about it, it's ridiculous. It's, but it's what he was confident in. It's what he had, and he went out there. And what else he had with him was grace. You have to have grace. God gives us grace for every situation that we find ourselves in. He gives us grace for the calling that he wants in our life. You know, some of you have been stirred up in your spirit for a long time about what God wants for you to do. And I know this to be true because when I was praying, that's what the Lord prompted inside of me. So some of you have been sitting back and going, you know, I'd love to do this, but I, I can't do that. that. That needs to be one of the ministers. I can't do that. I, I'm not qualified to do that. Let me just tell you something. If God is stirring that up inside of you, that's the very thing that you need to be doing. Because we get this thing that you have to have it all together before God uses you. And I was, I was telling some friends at lunch today, there was something that was posted on Facebook, and it says, broken, broken crayons still color. We're not all going to have it together. We're not all walking around perfect. But what we have, what God has done in our life, is the very testimony and the very things that we need to share with other people. And he gives us the grace to be able to do it. Because it's not in our strength. It's never in our strength. It's always his ability and his strength. So David prepared, and then he stepped forward. You know, here is where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> you know, you can pick up the stones, and you can put it in your little bag, and you can walk out there, or you can stand there. But walking forward is another thing. When Goliath started walking towards him, he took a step, Goliath took a step. This is where you could, like, hightail it and run. <laughs> but faith steps forward when everything in you says, I should be running. When every natural response should be, what am I doing? You're stepping forward because this is what you're supposed to do. Re faith requires action to prove itself as faith. Faith precedes the power. You don't see the power, you don't see the healing unless there's faith there. You know, we look at the woman with the issue of blood, it says, she said, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. She didn't know that for sure, I mean, logically, but she, the faith inside of her says, if I can, then I put myself in position to be healed. And David, stepping forward, was putting himself in position to have the victory. So here comes the victory, and I'm not going to read all of this because, you know, I'm trying to stay close to time. This is in verses 45 through 51, and it says, David proclaimed, 
to Goliath what is going to happen to him. And he says that you can come at me with a sword and a spear, but I have come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Think about that. He was specific about what was about to happen to him. And that's what I'm talking about in our prayer life and in our believing God for something. We have to be specific. You know, we have, we have faith that is what I call obedient faith. Like Abraham taking Isaac up to sacrifice him because the Lord told him to. You know, he's following through on what God has told him. But this is the kind of faith that sees what needs to happen and believes God for it without God prompting him to tell him what to do. We've got to see. We've got to see. And we've got to believe in faith that this is going to happen and then step back and watch God take care of it. We can do that. I think sometimes we forget we can do that and that we can ask and God is, will give this to us. So Goliath moved closer to attack. And then David quickly ran out to meet him. He reached into his bag, took out a stone, and hurled it in, in the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank in. Okay, remember he had a bronze helmet on, and it sunk in. So I want you to think about the kind of power that this little 16-year-old boy had that was powered by God, by the Holy Spirit, to take him down in such a force that it dented his head through his armor. That's the kind of power that we have. But if we don't put ourselves in position, and we don't prepare ourselves, and we don't step out in faith and proclaim and ask God what we want to have happen, then we're not going to see it happen. That is just the truth of it. That is the truth of it. God works in faith. Everything in our life is faith-based when it comes to our Christian walk. And then it says, then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. And David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And it says, and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and the wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sherem as far as Gath and Ekron. And the Israelite army returned and plundered the, the deserted Philistine camp. I want you to listen to something here. When Goliath was removed, they still faced the same army. They were back at square one. Goliath is now removed. But what happened with that act of faith gave empowerment to the army to take down the Philistines. They remembered who God was. They remembered the power that God had and the victory that can be won, and they went after. See, your faith and what God is doing in your life, other people are watching. 
And it's you believing and you proclaiming and you seeing the Lord. But other people's faith is going to be stirred because of what God has done in your life. That is like a wildfire that can stir through this church if people get it. If people see, and Richard is praying about something, and he shares it, and he says, I'm believing the Lord specifically for this situation, and the Lord moves and he testifies. Then Linda jumps on and goes, I'm believing for something, and then Cameron sees it. It's like a wildfire through this entire church. When Linda got healed, I remember that night when we were down here praying with her. That should fire you up. This is not an isolated event, people. This is something God wants to see all the time. But if we do not put ourselves in position, we do not proclaim, we do not believe, then we are not going to see it happen. We have got to shake off this complacency that we have as Christians that says, guess what? It's just what it is. I'm just going to live the way that God has because that's his will. No, it is not his will. His will is not for you to be in financial bondage. His will is not for your family to be torn apart. His will is not for your lost sons and daughters to be lost. His will is that they're saved. But what, we, what do we do? We don't believe and we're not specific. We have got to start being specific about the prayers that we're praying and step back, hold up, and watch the power of God move in our situations. I'm believing for something that is impossible, and God has challenged me to ask for it, and I have started praying about it. You know what? The results are not up to me. The results are up to him, and I have... I, He's going to work it however he wants to work it. But if I do not ask, then I cannot receive. If I do not put myself in position, then I cannot receive. If you want a better job, if you want financial situations to change in your life, then guess what? Put yourself in position. Go to your boss and put yourself out there and say, I want to learn more. I want to be in this position. Start praying for that position. And see what God can do. Put yourself out there. Because it takes an act of faith. You know, David could have went out there and proclaimed all day long that this is what's going to happen. If he did not follow through, then it wouldn't have happened. We've got to stop speaking about, oh, I want this to happen. I wish God would do this. What is wrong with us? I'm, and let me just tell you, I've lived a life like this. My close friends know me. When situations happen to me, I just go, well, I guess this is just the way it is. I have prayed the prayers and said, well, God, I guess my life isn't going to be blessed. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm so stirred in my spirit about this. Personally, I'm stirred because I'm tired because God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think according to what? According to the power that is in work inside of me. I'm just not someone that's just there. There is power at work inside of me. There's power at work inside of you. And we have got to rise up and believe it. I have been praying that the, the bonds of the enemy would be shaken off of us. That we don't have to just take whatever the enemy says. And that the Goliaths of our life will be fleeing in, in defeat. We can do that through him. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says in Romans 4.17, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, referring to Abraham. In the presence of him who, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, and listen, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. We have got to breathe life 
You know, God is a creative God, and when he speaks, life happens. We have that same power in us. When we speak, things happen. When we move forward, things happen. When we put ourselves in position, things happen. We have to follow through, and we have to put ourselves in position. If it's, you know, like I said about the God's will, sometimes we go, what if it's not God's will? Like I said, I wanted to make this very clear. The will of God for your life is to serve him with everything in you, and the rest are details. The will of God is to submit yourself to him in obedience and to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the will of God for you, period. Everything else is details because he will direct you how he wants to. What I'm challenging you on, what do you want God to do? Because I think that God put it inside of David. I think there was a nudge. When David heard what was happening to the Philistine, what, the Philistines and, and the army and all that, and he heard it for himself, I think there was a nudge. I think God has nudged you about how you should pray, but you're thinking, I can't do that because that's impossible. I'm challenging you when the Holy Spirit is nudging you, you step out and you start praying and boldly proclaim. Be specific with it. So as I close, Gary would play us something happy. We know, know who you are in God. Know what he's done for you. Don't take on someone else's identity. Use what God has given you and rely on his grace. Proclaim the word of the Lord and ask for what you want. He said, if we ask, we shall receive. If we, if we knock, it shall be opened unto us. If we seek, we shall find. That is truth. God didn't put that in there just for, oh well. He put that in there for us to do it. Put yourself in position to receive and follow through. Keep praying until you see it happen. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying until you see it happen. And allow God to do the work through the power of his Holy Spirit. This is our promise. And I'm just telling you, if we can get this down inside of us and really let it change us, there's no telling what can happen in our church. There's no telling what can happen. And tonight, what I want us to do as an act of faith, for those of you who have obstacles in your life, bad reports from the doctor, financial situations, lost loved ones, um, job situations, marital problems, you know, family issues, whatever it may be, whatever you're facing and you keep staring at this and you keep staring at it and the enemy comes out and is intimidating you into submission. I'm asking right now for those of you who will to come forward and an act of faith and I want you to take some time in this altar and pray and I want you to pray specifically about what you want to have happen. Because guess what? When you throw it out there, it's out there, right? Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by it. 
but put it out there. What do you want God to move? And let me just tell you this before I, we finish. God does not honor the prayers and disobedience. I know people that are like, oh, you know, they're doing all kinds of things they shouldn't be doing, and they're just like, well, pray for me. And Okay, I will pray for you that you get it right with the Lord. But he's not going to bless your sinful lifestyle. When I say pray and be specific, I mean pray and be specific. Make sure that you are doing it in the right way and that you're obedient to the Lord and it's not going contrary to his word. Let me just tell you something. He is not going to override free will in anybody. You know, if you're single, he is not. If you're praying for such and such, God is not going to override their free will so they'll ask you out on a date. It's not going to happen. That's what I mean by free will. He's not going to override. He's not going to move through disobedience. But if you, as a child of God, are submitted to him, he, you can ask what you will, and he will give it to you like a good father gives to his children. So I'm asking tonight, those that will are facing situations that seem bigger than what they can handle to come forward in an act of faith. And I want you to pray specifically about what you want God to do. And I want you to believe him for it. And I want you to keep praying and keep praying until you see the miracle happen. So I'm asking, and ministers are going to be available to pray with you. But I'm asking if anybody will, will come tonight and spend some time in prayer. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would seal the work and the word inside of our hearts tonight, Lord, and that it would shake loose what the enemy has done and the intimidation and in trying to control us. But we would push back against the enemy and say, I'm believing for a good report. I'm believing that the Lord is going to move and work in my situation, Lord. I pray that there would be a shift in this atmosphere tonight and in our prayer life, Lord, that we would start to expect the supernatural. We would start to expect those impossible things to happen, Lord. We give it to you, Lord. We believe you for it, Lord. And we expect and wait on what you're going to do, Lord. Touch us tonight, Lord, and shake loose. Lord, the, the enemy's control over the situations in our life. We praise you and we give you all glory in Jesus' name. Jesus! 
you would, would you stand with me as these continue to pray? Feel free to pray. Keep praying. Pray all night if you want to. Just want to, just want to uh, have special prayer tonight. You know, I've, I've been thinking, I was talking to Gary, and he was talking about his father-in-law, Bill Mann. Bill Mann, if you've been around our church for any length of time, Bill Mann is a, you know, a saint to this church. A wonderful man has been on our council 40, 50 years. He's been a part of us. He is right now hanging in the balance between life and death. God is there with him right now and taking care of him. And I know that uh, if he goes on, he's going to be great. But if he stays, he's going to be great. God's going to be faithful and take care of him. But I know also there's a, a family tonight that's burdened, and they're all gathered around and looking out for him. And I just want us to, to hold the family up, to hold him up in prayer right now as our faith is high. I just want God to move and touch his family. If you would, join with me. We also want to pray for Jerry Martin's mother. Got the report here that she is she is facing her last moments as well. So we want to pray for them. Okay, Doug is saying no. <laughs> that everybody's telling me no. All right, she is already gone. Okay. All right. All right. All right. She's already crossed the finish line then. All right. Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray, Lord, for Bill Mann and his family. God, we just pray that you would be with them. Lord, this church that, that he served and loved and is just a part of us, our heritage, Lord, our family. We come together now and we pray for him that you would just be with him. Lord, that you would take care of him and look out for him. Lord, bring your angels to comfort and guide him and just be with him, Lord, as he is right near the finish line. We just pray that you would take care of him and look out for him. Lord, and wrap your hands around this family, Lord, as they are all going through this process. I just pray that your great comfort would be there. You are a comforter that's more than anything that we could ever know. You are bigger and more powerful, and you have so much love. You could wrap around any situation, God, and hold it together, and we pray for that tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, for their family, Lord, we just give you praise and we give you honor. Lord, we give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your will be done. And Lord, be with us this week as we go from this place. Help us to act in faith and, and be out there to be your hands extended to this world. We just pray that your will would be done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful evening. If, Like I said, if you still need to pray, you can. But we'll see you this week at service. Next week, pastor will be back for Sunday morning. Of course, Sunday night is our huge Thanksgiving service. It's going to be a good time. God bless you all. We'll see you this week. You've been watching the worship service from the Stratford Heights Church of God. On behalf of Pastor Ray, we thank you for spending your time with us. Stratford Heights is always available to hear from you. For more information, visit us online at shcog.com. If you would like to pay your tithes or gifts, you can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible from people just like you who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evenings. On Monday, it's Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday, the Oasis Youth Group. Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God in Middletown, Ohio.